Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So if you thought Columbus was going to go away after that five-overtime loss to the Lightning, <laughs> think again. The Blue Jackets fell behind one to nothing on Thursday, but they rallied to win 3-1 to one and even the series at one game apiece. What happened to the Lightning special teams? We'll get into that. And the Rays completed their sweep of the Red Sox at Fenway, winning 17-8, to setting all kinds of series records there. We'll talk about also the state of college football and get behind some of the underlying reasons for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing in the fall with Tom Jones of the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, you know, we were all kind of wondering, like, what would be the residual, that's easy for me to say, residual impact of a five-overtime game, much much less a loss by Columbus, um, to the Lightning, and you know the fact of the matter is, Columbus is who we thought they were. They're not going away ever. And John Torello's teams are just made of that fiber, and they showed it again on Thursday, falling behind even one to nothing. But uh, they come back to win. Special teams has been a big part of this series. So, did you think that the that the Lightning uh, looked more fatigued than Columbus, or um, what did you make of of just the overall performance? Well, if the first 10 or 12 minutes of the game were any indication, the Lightning played fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, Columbus kind of flipped a switch in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe they came out a little bit. I don't know about fatigued is the right word. I think the Lightning came out with a lot of jump Yeah. Um, and, t- and took it to them early. Uh, but then Columbus does what Columbus does. And yeah. they play very sound. Dave Michigan and Phyllis Bazito kept talking about and you learned this last year too, is don't give that team a lead. Right. Because when they get They'll a lead, choke you to death. they will yeah. choke you to death. They they do so well protecting their goalie. Mm-hmm. If you notice, you know, Corpus Allo has given up a lot of rebounds in this series. A ton of them, but the Lightning can't get but close to them. They blocks out, like as soon as that puck is by them, yep. they're, they go play a man. They don't go play yep. the puck. They play the man That's at right. that point. That's it's, right. If that puck gets by you, if it's shot by you, mm-hmm. you don't go look for the puck. You go look for a man. That's right. And they do it very well. And it's mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of juicy rebounds he's given up, and they can't get to them. They can't get to it. Yeah, I've absolutely noticed that. And um, you know the other thing is that I mean, this style is always going to be something that the Lightning have to combat. It's not the way they mm-hmm. want to play, but they're going to have to find a way to to uh, you know to win with it. Um, special teams, you know, was interesting going into game one. I think Columbus had been 0 of, 4 of their last 14 on the power play. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they got a goal in game one that way. Um, and, and then it showed up again on, on Thursday. And, and the other thing on the other side is that, you know, the Lightning have gone now 0 for 6 in this series on the power play mm-hmm. after two games. Yeah, one of those power plays was 10 seconds. So let's say they're 1 That's for true. 5 at this point. So Okay. Um, yeah, and and I'm not sure why Victor Hedman's not playing point on the number one power play at this point. Right. Um, 
Coop was asked about it in postgame today, and he kind of just said, oh, we play both of them. Uh, you know, we've done that all year. And he kind of sidestepped it, never really answered the question. Um, I believe Diana Nero asked, asked it, actually. Um, you're already missing Stamkos on that power play, which obviously hurts you in that regard. I mean, you can put point there, or Tyler Johnson or whoever, and they don't have the shot that Steven Stamkos does. And so he, he's not, they're not as much of a threat. And now you take Hedman off playing the point. Now, the other night I thought, okay, maybe you were doing it to lessen his minutes, coming off the injury. You weren't sure how he was. You, you know, I, I could see that. But then he played 57 minutes the other night, and he right. looked fine today. I, I'm not sure why they made the switch. I think it runs smoother with, with Hedman, and I, I think there's just – it's more of – you know, that's what, that's what Kucherov and, and Point and all them have been fed for years now on that power play. It's Hedman running the point on it. So – I, I'm not saying that's the reason they haven't scored on the power play. I, I, I don't think they shoot enough still on the power play. Um, but they, Columbus did what they do really well tonight. They executed better than the Lightning. I didn't think the Lightning played an awful game. Uh, there were some people saying they were played really bad. And, and look, the first 10 or 12 minutes were fantastic. Then they kind of dipped down. They kind of found their legs late in the second period again and into the third period. Um, but Columbus plays really good defense, particularly when they have a lead. They play very differently with the lead than if they if they're tied or don't have a lead. Um, well, and, and, and that was the thing: the Lightning got a lead, and that's something they hadn't had in the series. Um, really, going even back to last year, uh, uh, since like Game One, yes. right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they won the overtime game. That was their first lead uh, in this series. Yep, they get the lead early on with Nikita Kucherov and his goal. Um, there were a couple missed opportunities too, and this is something you know they had m- way more shots than Columbus did, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Tyler Johnson put made two terrific passes um, that, for whatever reason, one time Alex Kalorn couldn't get his his blade. It just on the went ice, under but, a stick. Went under a stick. Yeah, I mean, he went just under a it. stick. Yeah, and it and you know if his stick is on the ice, it's probably going to go off there and into the into the net. So you also have to those few chances where you have mm-hmm. looks like that. They just need to find a way to bury him. Yeah, you've got to get that on net. You've got to you've got to get your stick on it and force Corpusalo to make a save or get the goal. Right. Um, you know, but this this game looked a lot like last year. Um, yes. Although I mean, I thought the Lightning. Look, I think the Lightning after they blew that lead in Game One never recovered till maybe Game Four. No, that's true. You know, I don't think it was as bad as say Game Two or Three last year. But Columbus was doing what they do, mm-hmm. and they do it very well. And so you've got to get them out of that. And and the Lightning weren't able to do that today. I thought, you know, the special teams, I thought, you know, they gave up the one power play goal. I thought the, the one penalty kill where Barclay Goodrow single-handedly killed about 45 seconds. Right. Uh, was, you know, that was, a, that was a clinical penalty kill on that, that mm-hmm. one. I mean, that was textbook, this is how you kill a penalty and, and take charge of it. Um, so I, I mean, there's, there's been some good stuff with the power play and, or the, the special teams. Power play has been okay. You know, obviously no goals, but it's you know their power play throughout the year though would go through ruts like this too. So it's not yeah. you know, but but you expect this team with high skill to do better five on five, right? And and today they just you know Columbus just out executed them. I mean, I don't know how else how else to say it. I I didn't say Lightning played awful. I just I just thought Columbus played a lot better. But I thought you know, and this happens in games too. Like going back to special teams, I I think when Columbus killed off. Um, a power play or or, or two mm-hmm. that that gave them life that mm-hmm. that often can cause momentum on you know on the other team 
um, when they do that. And it just seemed like they got a little jump from that. Um, you know, so John Cooper talked about it in the post game and he said, look, you know, special teams, look, if, if, if on power play, if you, if you're 20%, that's a good power play. Yeah. Well, you go over two tonight and over two in game two, and then you go one for one in game three, that's 20%. Was that mm-hmm. good? Was that bad? I mean, but what you're really looking for out of p- power plays and penalty kills too, is momentum is if you don't score, but you've taken the momentum of the game and now the ice is tilted towards that end of the ice and you're skating better and shooting better. And, you know, that's what you're looking for out of it. And I don't think the lightning have used their power plays to gain momentum. I mean, you know, you got two of them in overtime the other night. You didn't, you couldn't convert on them, um, which rarely happens. Do you get power plays in overtime, let alone two in a game? So, you know, I, I think I'm not, I'm not down on the lightning on this. Uh, you know, like I said, I didn't think they played bad. I just didn't think they played great. And I think yeah. Columbus did. Columbus deserved to win. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. And they did w- what they always do. They played their style. And you're right. You can't fall behind those guys and expect to come back. It's just not going to be very easy to do. Um, but now you go to uh, game three on Saturday night and, uh, for whatever it's worth, there's no home arena, but Columbus is the home team, so I guess they get to uh, make you know, the decision as far as line changes. Now go you're going like to see the point line and Kucherov paired up against Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski a lot more. Yeah. The first two games, they haven't been on the ice at the same time very much because mm. the Lightning have been able to control those matchups. Now they're going to be able to put Seth Jones and Wierenski against the point line. And so... At that point, you know how is how are Cooch and, and Point going to respond, right? And secondarily, how is the Sorelli line or the Gord line? Yeah, can they start creating some offense now because they're not against Seth Jones and Wierenski, which is their top pair. Um, if they're out against the Point line more often, then then the other lines need to step up and get some scoring. Right. Well, this is going to, in my opinion, this is going to be a long series. I mean. I don't think anybody's putting anyone away anytime soon, but you know we'll see. You don't want to fall behind two to one. It's a darn good thing that they, per, you know, persevered in in the five overtime game, where they would be much like a year ago, looking at a uh, an O two deficit right now. Um, but that's that's you know that's ridiculous because they obviously won the first game and they uh, they played well to do so. And I'm with you. I don't think it, they were overmatched. They, they in fact outshot um, you know Columbus like. Uh, like you would expect them to, I suppose. But John Tortorella, man, there's something about the discipline that his teams have. And we know this about them, uh, no matter where he's coached, you have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to come out and, and you know, it's not going to be – it's going to be as much will as skill. Let's put it that way. The Lightning have more skilled players. Um, they skate faster. You know, they, they I mean, they, they have prettier goals, all of that stuff. Um, but if you think you're, you know, I saw a couple times too, where there's those cross ice, middle of the ice passes, just not getting through, you know, they're just not going to let you do that. You're going to have to keep it on the boards. You're going to have to get the pucks deep and you're going to have to grind your way out of there and throw something on the net and hope that you can get some bodies in front of their bodies for the rebound because they are giving up some rebounds, but they, to your point, which was an excellent one, they can't get, they can't get their sticks to it. Um, I and, thought game and, one, the Lightning did a much better job of throwing the, the puck in the zone and going to get it. I did too. I, I really think that was the you know the acceptance that this is what we're going to do and we're going to mm-hmm. grind this out and we're going to mm-hmm. be physical and, and we're going to get as many pucks to the net and as many bodies there as we can and just keep whacking away. We saw Yanni Gord do that. 
Um, and, and it's really kind of the way you have to play Columbus. Not that you want to; they want you to to, to fall into that style. But you know, you got to sometimes you got to beat somebody at their own game mm-hmm. um, until you get a lead, and then you know they'll be desperate; they'll be out of their element if they have to come back by, you know, by down more than one goal. Um, and if it's late, and then you know you'll see them try to play a style that they're not used to playing. So. It, it, there'll be adjustments. I wonder what adjustments you think they will make other than maybe the power play, which is a big one with Hedman. Do you see anything they might do for game three? You know, I don't know if, uh, you know, I mean, I think the only adjustments you're going to see, you could see some sh- line shuffling, but, you know, do you take Mitchell Stevens out and put a Verhage in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, you could swap out Bogosian for, you know, Luke Shen or, you know, I don't. Jan Ruda, I don't think's practice, so I don't think he's healthy at this point. So, um, I, I don't see a lot of changes. Maybe they do shuffle the lines a little bit. Maybe they change up the power play a little bit. Although you don't get a lot of power plays in, in the postseason, so no, that's not, not the, the biggest concern. I mean, they didn't have a practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously after the five overtime, so we'll see. You know, they'll have a practice. Probably today. have one Friday. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll have a practice. Um, you know, definitely some film study and stuff. They may have done that a little bit uh, before game two, but. Um, I, and it's going to be a night game again on Saturday too, so it's not going to be a day game either. So there's more of a normal routine for players too. So yeah, a few more hours of rest, which I'm sure they can use after mm-hmm. five overtimes. But yeah, so I mean, I, guys... I don't think anyone thought this series would be a sweep. I mean, I've I've said for going into this tournament, you know, the teams I didn't want to face were Pittsburgh and Columbus. Well, they got Columbus. <laughs> um, and there's a few others I think, but I just think Columbus is a tough matchup for the Lightning. It is. Um, it, it just and, their style and the way they enforce that will on you. It's a tough matchup for the Lightning. Um, not that the Lightning can't win, but you've mm-hmm. got to play. You've got to play a solid game for sixty minutes, night in and night out. And yet, there's something that seems right with the universe that they have to have to exercise these demons to move forward um, from where they were a year ago mm-hmm. and have to win a series against Columbus. And if they do. You know, Katie barred the door, as they say, because this this team will get the albatross off its back and and move forward. But um, that's that's their destiny. I mean, that's their path is is right back through the team that you know took them four games to none uh, a year ago, even though they were the President Cup winner. And and so um, you know they know the animal. They know what they they know what they got themselves into. Uh, and um, that that's by virtue of, you know, they, they could be playing Montreal right now, but they lost to Philadelphia in that third game and uh, round robin, and, and so this is what they have. So we'll, we'll certainly uh, check in on them over the weekend and talk about all of that on Monday. Um, also, uh, the Rays, meanwhile, what a weekend they had or a week they had, uh, four days in, in Fenway Park, where now suddenly they don't seem like they can lose there. This, is, this has become their ballpark or the one they enjoy playing the most in. You know, when they went to this road trip, uh, you know, we, we read off the batting averages. I mean, this team it was somewhat remarkable that they were even near 500, given the fact that their their team batting average was barely over 200. Well, the bats have woken up, and, and probably in large part to the fact that Boston's pitching is, is so bad. And on top of that, man, they couldn't catch the ball at all. On Thursday, they they gave the Rays so many opportunities and they took advantage of them. Seventeen to eight. You don't see seventeen runs very often. No, I think the team record is nineteen for the Rays, which mm-hmm. they've done three times, I believe, in team history. But yeah. For a four, I think it's only the second four game sweep in Boston they've had in their franchise history. Wow. Uh, they set records for runs in a four game series, extra base hits. 
mm-hmm. maybe hits. Um, it was lots of records set in this series, yeah. and and it's good to see. I mean, it's it's you know, look, the bats have gotten hot ever since Austin Meadows came back. They have, yeah. Um, you know, they, a game or two there, but for, overall, once Austin Meadows came back, the bats got better, and he's their best hitter in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that it goes to say show that you know when your best hitters are there. Boy, it's amazing how that lineup looks different when when he can lead off or be near that top of that order and, and cause and havoc. Um, everybody else responds, so it's it's a good sign. You know, you you giving up eight runs to although Boston's got a deep lineup. You know, so oh yeah, they can score. Yeah, I they mean, can. They, they can. They, just they can't got pitch. bats. Yeah, they just yeah, can't they pitch. can't pitch. They fall behind. They can't pitch, and and uh, you know, I'm sure they like to do better than giving up eight runs. I mean, it was another long, long day, but I mean overall. You know, they beat a left-handed pitcher. This is also something they had not done. You know, mm-hmm. left-handers have had their number, and um, you threw the right-handed lineup out there, and, you know, a bunch of guys hit hit some big flies, as, as you would hope they would. And so, uh, you know, the Rays are hot. I mean, and that's what they got to be on this road trip. What is it, 10 games in 11 days? Yep. So, And they're a game you know, back of the Yankees now. Yeah, one game back, and this is the longest road trip of this abbreviated season. So, Anytime you can take uh, the Red Sox in uh, in in Fenway Park where they hit Wicked Five, that's a that's a good weekend in our week and in four game series. So now it's on to Toronto, and we'll see what they can do there as they continue um, again the longest road trip of the season. Yeah, then they get the Yankees next week. So it's this yeah. is a you know this is three in your division. You, you you know you knock off Toronto here. I mean the goal is to get to the top two in your division. That's right. I mean, that's this year with the schedule or t- top two teams in, in each division go. So Toronto's uh, granted Toronto's only six and nine at this point, but they they can swing the bats. Mm-hmm. So if you can you can take two out of three from Toronto, you keep them way below you. Then it's just right. Baltimore who's surprising everyone. That's ten and seven at this point, um, and, and you can't beat them at Camden Yards. So right, uh, that's a problem. But um, you know, you're just, you know, we're what? We're 20 games in. We're a third of the way through this. You're we're like already, already a third. third of the way season. This is like it's Memorial incre- Day weekend already. Yeah, it's incredible. Baseball, I mean, it's going mean, to it's gonna go fast. Yeah. A third of the way done already. Holy cow. I know. I know. It's going to go really fast. And, you know, uh, I didn't think Tyler Glass now threw particularly well. Um, you know, he his location mm-hmm. hasn't been that great. He's given up some runs. He needs to pitch mm-hmm. better. Snell had a pretty good outing the day before. We'll see if Charlie Morton comes back. I mean, they've got some, you know, they're not quite there where, where you would expect them to be with their starting pitching just yet. Um, so if they can get that going, they're playing much better defense, though, and then now finally swinging the bats. So that's uh, those are all good signs uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, I wanted a chance to uh, to talk to Tom Jones because he has some great takes, of course, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times about the state of college football. And he and I have gone back and forth um, in the past. Uh, I think he was skeptical at best that there would be a college football season. Now it turns out 
of course, uh, there won't be college football in the fall anyway in the Big Ten and Pac-12, and then other conferences are discussing that as well. Um, I wanted to shift to uh, to college football because, as you know, we're um, this is almost you know the apocalypse right now with with college football, and we've talked about you know we we've both doubted at times whether or not they could even play the sport. Um, because it's not the NFL, and they don't have all the millions. Well, they do have millions, but they yeah. some schools, particularly like in the MAC, and we saw, you know, them go out. We saw some of the smaller conferences say they weren't going to play, and then ten days or seven days after the Big Ten announced its schedule and thought they had a way to play, you know, ten games and and be flexible and and all this other stuff, they announced they're out, and so does the Pac-12, and there's still discussions, of course, with the SEC and. Um, you know, the Big 12, some the of the Big other 12, conferences. Big 12 is planning on it, right? That's the latest I heard. That's the latest, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, look, it looks like there'll be college football somewhere, but I'm not, you know, I have a couple questions about this. Um, my first question would be, what happened? What had happened? What happened between the time that they came up with this schedule to play um, and then decided shortly thereafter that they weren't going to play at all? And does... If the Pac-12 and the and the Big Ten have doctors, or they're relying on, uh, in particular medical professionals, to tell them that this is really unsafe, you shouldn't do this, could they share that information with the other conferences? Because they they apparently don't feel the same way, or they're not getting the same advice. Right. Well, look, it's hard not to look at this thing and not say it's not a little bit political. You know that it's, and I don't know, I don't fairly or unfairly. I mean, you what do you to mean? Look, well, I mean, I think there's a segment of this country that believes that the coronavirus is more serious and more dangerous than other parts of the country feel it is. So you're saying in the deep south, there's there's more people. Look, that... I mean, just look at who's deciding not to play and look who is playing. I, I, I it's you I mean you're talking about mostly northern schools uh, in the Big Ten in the and, Midwest, yeah, and in the Midwest, but north, but northern Midwest, northeast, you know, north, yeah. I mean, so you're talking. Even Minnesota. So you even, think you think this is political? That some, I think a little bit of it is, and I think, and then look at the other one is out west. Cal, a lot of it's California, which you would, and then you have the other side where it's it's the deep south, it's the SEC, most of the ACC, the Big Twelve, and I'm not saying that. Well, I am saying, yeah, I think there's a lot of it that I, that. But, has we, but to do so with so yeah, right. But they're all. I mean, look. Let's agree nobody wants anyone to get hurt here. Right. Okay. That, that you know, whether you're in the south, the west, the north, nobody wants to see a player or, or you know, a young adult get sick. Um, I think that's fair, right? Yes. And, I, and I'm not doubting the politicization of this whole thing. I mean, we've seen it from the beginning. But there's some, there seems to be something else here that's going on. Um, is it as simple as that? Maybe, you know. But, man, there's a lot of dollars at stake. Mm-hmm. I know culturally what football means in the South. You know, Yeah, and, and financially what it means for everybody. I will say this, Rick, that I think that I, everybody, at, everybody in every conference admits there's a risk to this, no doubt. But it's what's your, what's your tolerance for risk? How far, what, how much are you willing to accept the risk? And I think there's some people out there who feel like, yeah, the risk is worth it at this point. Again, I don't. I don't think that there's anybody purposely saying, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, I, but I don't think there's anybody out there saying, hey, you know, some people die, they die. We got to play. I don't think it's that attitude. I do think, though, there's I've heard a lot. And this is another thing that I, I actually somebody made a really good point. I actually heard a caller on a talk show who made this point. Who, and one of the arguments that I'm constantly hearing is, well, these young kids, they're young kids. They're healthy. These are healthy kids. 19, 20 year olds. Yeah. Football players you would think are healthy. I'm telling you right now, if you're six foot five and you weigh 330 pounds, you're not healthy. You're not. And I agree. And I agree with people who say that that's that there's a problem there with your obese, you're obese. You're da- you're in a danger zone at that point, I think. So look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I do know Rick that I think, I think the big 10 and the, and the pac 12, I understand some of their doctors have looked at the long term, what they feel like might be the long term effects of COVID and that's what really scared them. Um, yeah. I mean, there are, there are some players in Indiana in particular, and, and, and there was a story that the big 10 has 10 players who developed uh, enlarged hearts as a result of having COVID um, or they feared that that might be one of the, you know, one of the residual effects. And so um, that, that, that might have, have look, let's, let's follow the money, Tom. Um, again, I don't think anybody wants to get sick or wants anyone to get sick. They're giving up an awful lot of money by not playing. But there's a liability thing here too, is there not? I mean, Well, I wonder what's going to happen, Rick. And this is something I think that, the big, again, the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC, if they decide to play, are going to have to answer to that if, if God forbid, somebody dies, and there's going to be a lawsuit, you know there will be if that happens, right. that somebody's going to be on a witness stand and – a lawyer is going to say, were you aware of the risks? And were you aware that other conferences canceled football because of the risks? Why didn't you? Well, that's the problem. Yeah. It's a problem right now for those, for those other conferences that because you've got doctors in, in, in giving advice and taking, you know, saying that they're taking health professionals advice and that's why they're not playing. Um, and then you're going to choose to play. And if something happens, um, what's the liability, you know, and, and who's willing to do it? Um, I, I don't like, you know, it's been interesting because the coaches are on the side of the players, even though they work for the schools. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish that thought. And I have a thought about that. And so you have guys like Ryan day, you know, who can't understand why they're not playing. Nebraska wants to play Scott Frost. Um, you know, day is now pushing to play not only in the spring, but to play in January, he'd play January 2nd if he could. Um, and a lot of this has to do with holding on to your players Here's the other question I have for you. You're Justin Fields. You're the best quarterback in Ohio State history, and you can't play. Why aren't I starting for Alabama next week? Right. Well, I feel less for Justin Fields than I do for a guy, whoever this year's Joe Burrow is. Remember a year ago, Joe yeah, Burrow wasn't, yeah. wasn't the number one draft pick in That's the right. country. Nobody knew Joe Burrow was a year ago. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you knew he was, but he he wasn't Joe Burrow, you know. So I feel well, bad. I just for the want guy. you to know, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. He's a Tiger <laughs> King. He's a, he's a Tiger LSU. He's a Tiger now for the Bengals. Go Tigers. Kyler Murray. Who knew Kyler Murray year a year before That's he got true. drafted? That's you know, I mean, true. So there are guys. I get it. Like there are guys who, who aren't, who were unknown. Who basically they needed that year yeah. millions of dollars. But I'll say this, Rick. As much as I'm, I sympathize and I'm empathetic to their situation. I really don't care what coaches and players want out of this, and I I have no interest in their their opinions on whether they should play or not. 
because they're not doctors and they're not scientists. You know what? My kids at one point wanted to have ice cream for dinner, and I didn't give it to them Why as not? badly as they wanted it to them because I knew it was bad. It wouldn't for have them. hurt them, right? And even and they could sit there and say, "I promise, I'll I'll go to bed early." Well, I don't care. I don't care if you sign waivers. I don't care. There comes a point where if now if the SEC and the Big Twelve and the ACC said we're playing football because our medical people, our scientists, our doctors say it's okay. I'm willing to at least say, okay. Well, that's well, exactly what they're saying. Well, and that's. I'll, I'll go I one step. You know what you they're know, also I, saying, Tom? And I think this is a valid argument to some degree. Now, you got to throw in the football part of it, okay? So these other players that are not playing football are now going to be with the general student population, not being tested. How about Indoor, this? hanging out, going to, going to parties, whatever. And, and they might even have to, to lift weights and do training as if they're going to play next spring. Even though you know they're they're not getting, you know the same. I mean, they're just sort of not in that in that bubble that they may have may have. Why been. can't we keep them in the bubble and just not play the games? Why can't we just do everything? Well, because we there's, do a, for them there's and expense. Them there's expense there. We're gonna we're gonna test these guys and and for no reason they're not playing. But I I I'll listen to that argument a little bit. That are okay. Are they safer playing football than they're not, than they are not playing football? I mean, I'd have to know more about it, but if that's the argument and we can't do what we can do for them and just not play the games, then okay, maybe I'll listen to that. But Trevor Lawrence, come out, this whole hashtag let us play, like, yeah, I am not influenced by that one bit because they're kids. They don't know. They're not doctors. They're not scientists. Sorry. You don't get a say. Sorry. Like, there, everybody has to give up something here. So everybody gets a say except the guys that are actually playing the game. So so now I'm now If I'm they decide really have, they don't want to play, now I'm gonna all, have then a I'm all for that. But no, just but they, they want to play. Yeah, I, look, and I, I want to go to a bar right now, but I can't. Sorry, I can't go. That's the pro, That's the world we live in. But you're not going because, you know, you're, you're, not, you're 21 years old and you can't make up your decision. You're not going because the government decided it for you. Right, but I'm Sorry. saying like everybody's got to give up something. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to blow your mind. Player, this is where players. I'm going to get you. Right here is here is my conspiracy theory because I'm I'm always on this. <laughs> All right, so the Pac-12 was the first conference to say, "Yeah, we're not playing." Right. Well, the Big Ten, right? Or the Big Ten and the Big yeah. and Pac-12 shortly thereafter. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Big Ten. Okay. Sort of handed. We knew they were both coming. Right. Whatever. Well, one let's did the let's other. deal with the Pac-12. What else happened okay. in 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 California? What else happened in the Pac-12? Well. You got a bunch of players together that said, "Hey, um, you know what? We need we need to see at the table. We need protection. We need, you know, we need to know what our rights are. We're we're employees. We're you know what? Maybe we should unionize. You know what? Maybe we're not amateurs after all. Hmm. Here's what I watch this conspiracy theory. Okay, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Yeah, they care about their athletes. I'm sure they do." You know what they also care about? Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, when this is all over, they're still not going to get paid. They're going to get their scholarships, and we're keeping all the money. As soon as somebody comes out and they have a seat at the table and now they can determine how many times they need to be tested or what kind of insurance they need or, God forbid, what's happening now, what kind of compensation you should pay them because they're the only ones who don't get money out of this, now our whole business model is gone. Much better to take to bite the bullet during COVID than to give up your entire business model and change college sports altogether. How do you plead? 
I mean, it's an, I, I'm not going to say you're crazy. I'm not going to say it's a dumb idea. I don't know that this makes it go away. I think we'll be back at this situation right, here, but two it, years but from in, now. in some instances, I think in order for some of those 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 schools to play, they would have they would have been probably forced into doing some things with with athletes. I mean, I mean don't saw, you see this is I mean this is all headed. The athletes are going to get paid at the end of all this anyway, don't you think? I mean, it may not happen now. I don't know. I year. mean, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't know that they will. I mean, it was getting close to that already, and then you add sort of the. I mean, I think there's a racial issue coming quickly on this too that that we're starting to see through the corona i mean i've heard that talk a lot and i i agree with it like we're everybody wants to play because these universities need to make money and the only people at risk are mostly african-american athletes you know but that represents a large part of their football team no that's what i'm saying the 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 only ones taking all the risk here are the athletes right the ones who are benefit from are the athletic departments, the coaches, the athletic and all departments of that. and the universities and the coaches? Right, right. So, but this, so I, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, there, there could be, hey, we could, we could squelch this whole thing right now. Let's bite the bullet, lose our whatever, how much money you lose during a year now, right. as opposed to losing fifty percent of our. Money when we come back, we're still in charge, and there's still student athletes, and they're getting their scholarship money, and we're not right. giving them anything else. Let me, okay. Let, let me let me switch switch gears a little bit, sort of, and ask you about this idea of okay, Big Ten's not playing. Scott Frost came out the other day and said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna find a place to play." How do you feel about that? You're no, if you're the if you're the Big Ten. If I'm the Big Ten, I got a big problem with it because you're taking TV money from me and you share in those revenues. And if we decide not to play, if you want to be a member of this conference, you have to abide by. The, the commissioner's rules. And so you're kind of declaring yourself an independent in that instance. I don't, I don't know that I give you a one-year waiver because your school president is okay with Nebraska playing in the ACC uh, or the SEC. I mean, I, I don't know that I feel – I don't know that I would do that if I were the Big Ten. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm saying, yeah, go ahead and play. Don't ever come back. Forget That's it. what I mean. I yeah, mean, I think, no. I think at that point you're declaring yourself an independent. Now, let me ask a further question. You're the NCAA, which, by the way, has anybody – not that we yeah, didn't already know. I'm sorry, know, but who's, who's at the NCAA? Exactly. Right? Do, not that we didn't already know this, but the NCAA is completely incompetent, right? Right. There's, and, by the way, the other story at the end of all of this is there's going to be a – there's going to be another athletic association in two years that's going to have the power five schools. And yes. And and every then that's their own conference and everybody else. I mean, so, they've just they have just flexed their muscle and determined that they run football anyway. Right, and they're so they're all they're all going to band together, and there will be no NCAA. Or if there is, they'll just be in charge of the group of five or the other you know the other conferences. The tournaments, yeah. Right, right. But let me ask you this: so let's say it's it's done for sure. The Big Ten's not playing. And you're what's the kid from Ohio State, Justin Fields? You're Justin Fields. Well, if you're the NCAA, how do you handle this? Do you allow them to transfer? They're meeting about it, um, and which, by the you, way, they're meeting about it now. You had no idea five months ago that this <laughs> well, was a possibility when you were you know, canceling Tom. March Madness. <laughs> like just last week, somebody says, "Hey, what should we do about eligibility for these kids?" Like, really, you just thought of that? Hey, they came up with the transfer portal. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, they they're gonna have. To, listen, let me put it to you this way: um, I don't even know what the rules are, right? I don't think Nick Saban can call Justin Fields and say we got a place for you here at Alabama. 
I think he can call the high school coach that Justin Fields played for. I was listening to Rick Neuheisel on with uh, Dan Patrick, and they said, Rick, what would you do? And he goes, I'd call. There's two people. You know, it's basically his parents are his high school football coach. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, I'd call the high school football coach, and you'd ask him if he had any interest in coming to Alabama. And if he does, you know, how does how does how does any school tell somebody or the NCAA? And like I said, they're meaning about this. But how do you say you can't leave even though your team doesn't play football? Yeah, your school doesn't exist. Your school your isn't playing. Team this doesn't year. exist. Yeah. So you can't. I got to wait out. Wait, I got to sit out a year for what? For who? Right. And this idea that okay, like pretend like this year didn't happen. Everybody comes back near year and has the same eligibility. If I'm Justin Fields, like I don't want to play at Ohio State in 2021. I'm going to the NFL. I want to be playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021. Exactly. Exactly, and that's why spring football doesn't work, not for the elite players. See, now let me ask you that. Okay, why not? And I, and I'm not I'm not questioning you. I'm not saying like, like prove it to me it doesn't work. But under this crazy once in a hundred year scenario, can't we figure out some way to play spring football? And why can't I don't, we? Why I think we well be, because to me it's sort of hypocritical, right? We, I mean, before now, before this, it was always you know. Hey, CTE's the big train coming down the tracks. We gotta, you know, we can't have the headshots in the game. Guys are getting ejected. You know, let's watch out for the health and safety of these kids. Now we're gonna tell players that they can play two football seasons in a calendar year, that their bodies can absorb that kind of punishment in practice and in games. I, I just I don't see I don't see how that's I don't see how that's right, number one. Um I've not known many players that would try to do it or want to do it. So, you know. So it's just too much football. I just, well, yeah. I mean, so you're going to play starting in January. This is what Ohio State wants to do. And, and a lot of this is these, you know, Ryan Day's trying to hold on to his players like Justin Fields. Sure. Um, so he wants to play. He'd play January 1st if they let him. You know, well, it's 2021. Um, and then come back and play in the fall, too and say that, you know, you haven't lost any eligibility that way. But I, you know, I think it's too much football for for guys in a calendar year. I mean, what, what time are you re- – now, could they play, you know, a big jamboree against Michigan, you know, or something like that, some exhibition? Okay. You know, one or two games or something like, like you would, you know – I mean, why not play? Why come back in January, play like an eight-game season or something, and then have next season be like an eight-game season? Sixteen games over a year period. That's what you play in the NFL, basically. But just spread it out over twelve months, and then you come back in twenty twenty-two or whatever and play. I don't know. I mean, I know they're gonna. I know they're. That's that's the intent by some people that they want to focus immediately on the spring. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's unique. It's a unique, you know, pandemic. But who's to say in January that, that things will be, you know, what are you going to do when you get there and things aren't marginally better? Right. You know? No, I mean, it's all, this all depends on a I mean, hope is not vaccine. a plan. You no, know, that's, saying, like, that's and neither the problem. Is want, neither is want a plan. And, right. and that's, that's why I get to these players, like, they really want to play. Like, right. wanting is not good enough. I'm sorry. I know you want to. I want you to play. I enjoy watching the games. And I realize the players have much more at stake financially. This well, is what if lives. they were? What if they were willing to assume that? Let's just say that they go. You know what? I'll indemnify anybody I want to. I don't. I don't feel unsafe. I'm being tested. Everybody in my on my team is being tested. Everybody in the SEC, we're relatively sure, doesn't have COVID. And 
I'm willing to assume the risk. I'm young. I'm yeah. Maybe I am. My issue with that is, like, okay. First off, I I don't know that I trust you to assume that your own risk. I like I think I know better than you. When I say I, I'm talking about the doctor. I'm relying on doctor information. But the other thing is, it's not just you at risk. You're putting me at risk too. You're putting the country at risk. You're. We're talking about six thousand players traveling all over the country. Yeah, but come on, I and mean, going it, back it, to college campuses. There's a party in Arkansas that's going to have that many in a bunch of boats on the Ozarks. I mean, I, I, we, I don't approve of that either. Well, I know, but I mean, don't. I mean, I think these guys. Seriously, you're talking about you're talking about five conferences, and and each conference has an an average of twelve teams. You multiply that times hundred. You're talking about six thousand kids playing. But these football. are kid. These are kids that are being tested every day. Yeah, but somebody's. You're telling me no one's going to get sick because they're no, not. In I a think bubble. somebody will, but you can trace them, get them out. Uh, my problem is you're not just putting yourself at risk; you're putting me at risk too. You, you are. You know, so it's you're you're assuming risk for yourself. Okay, what if what if you pass it on to me? Well, that person is assuming risk if they're coaching. But I, but I'm. You mean I in general society? General society, sure. Any, yeah, but that could happen anyway. They can still go out and do. I mean, they're not going to be in the football program. They're playing. They're not going to stop living. They're right, not going to stop. This, like Here's sign, the thing: they're not going to stop going to class. Some of these universities, you know, they're going to make these guys go to class, right? They're not playing football, but they're going to go into class with other people that aren't being tested. That could be out at parties all night, and they're going to be they're going to become exposed simply because they have no testing. They have no way of knowing. You know. Uh, again, I go back to this. I don't understand. Okay, I think a lot of this is people just want them. To, they we just want our football. And we I, do want our football. We do. And it's not a good enough <laughs> you reason. You did come right, we do. It's not a good enough reason. <laughs> I will Tom, look, did, I, you know that, did you know that the first state trooper that, that guarded a coach after a football game, that that occurred in the South? Really? I don't that, know. It must have. Not, it surely did, right? I'm guessing it did. I'm guessing it did. When did this become a problem for coaches? But, when yeah, they go right. over to shake hands with the other coach, are they under attack by somebody? <laughs> Do we really need a state trooper or two assigned to the coach for the handshake at the 50-yard line? At what point did somebody go, you know, there's a plot to get this coach after the game at the 50-yard line. Bring that state trooper with us. Yeah, right. Can we call the Hillsborough state trooper to keep an eye on Charlie Strong, please? It's crazy, right? It is crazy. Who's after Charlie Strong? Like, Charlie Strong can't shake the hand of the the coach from, you know, um, Navy? I mean, you know, it's the Navy. Right. The Navy's not going to do anything to Charlie Strong, <laughs> are they? I hope not. They might. It's just weird to me. I just always thought that was that was odd. Yeah, no, you're right. It is weird. Well, we haven't solved any of college football's problems, unfortunately. I'll, no. I'll let you go because this has been a great podcast, as always, with you. All right, my thanks to Tom Jones. Back-to-back, always good to be with my former radio partner. And this weekend, busy one. The Rays are in Toronto as they continue their successful road trip after sweeping the Red Sox. Game three, the Lightning in Columbus is Saturday night. It's going to be a great one. And, of course, uh, the Bucks on Monday when we talk to you next. They will be in pads. That's right, uh, 14 out of 16 days, and they have to uh, – uh, learn to tackle to the ground again. They'll be doing it against each other. Of course, no preseason game, so that's something that'll be a challenge for Bruce Arians, but we'll be playing actual football against each other and a little offense and defense, so we'll be out there to watch that. Hey, check us out. We're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.